What a blessing to be here this morning. I, I want to say thank you again to you uh, here. We did earlier at Mason Creek. These musicians, I don't know if you know what all they do, but they're here before 8 o'clock, and they rehearse and get things right, and then they go on a bus over to Mason Creek, and then they uh, sing there and lead in worship there, and then they get back on the bus and get back over here uh, by 10.30 to lead in worship and all here. And I just say thank you. They do a marvelous job, and I praise the Lord for them. Turn, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll begin reading in verse 24 in just a moment. I read about the fact that the devil challenged St. Peter to a baseball game. And uh, St. Peter said, well, I mean, if you want to do that, that's all right. But I, I don't, all the great baseball players are up here in heaven. The devil said, well, all the great umpires are down here in hell. <laughs> I did that for you folk who are just terribly upset over the Cowboys last night. You can blame somebody else. You just know where they are. First Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Well, we, uh, let me see your Bible. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> this is a brand new. <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us just to be here and to worship you. Thank you how we've been blessed with the music. And uh, God, I just pray that you'll continue to let your Holy Spirit have control of this service this morning. Lord, we're nothing and you're everything. And Lord, unless you fall fresh on this place, everything we've done is in vain. So we ask you, beg you, plead with you. Lord Jesus, have your way in this house today. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I think probably some of you will leave here today and say this is not really a worship service. It's more of a pep rally. And... Uh, Jason asked me a while ago, what's your third points? Because we're trying to correlate a couple of things. I said, I don't have any points today. I just, just want to kind of speak and encourage. Um, winning, winning matters. 
Vince Lombardi, of course, an iconic figure in the NFL, especially back in the 60s with the Packers. He said, winning isn't everything, but making the effort to win is. And then he closed out by saying, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Now, winning does matter. I know we're in a society uh, that says, hey, uh, uh, we just show up and participate and everybody's happy. But, but I want to tell you something, folks, winning does matter. It's one of the reasons the church is so lackadaisical today because we've got this attitude, you just show up and participate and don't worry about let's win. Don't worry about we got to go out. Don't worry about we got to reach an area for Christ. We just be satisfied. We've shown up. We've done our part. If you're not going to compete to win, there's really no reason to compete. That's what he says here. Uh, the new self-esteem philosophy uh, I'm sorry if, you know, if I'm ringing your bell, but it just stinks. It just stinks. I, I know we're all right with that with four- and five-year-olds playing upward basketball. I love that. But I want to tell you, when it gets up above that, we need to teach our children that you do need to excel. If you're not going to uh, play to excel and play to win, there's really no reason to play at all. And those are the very things that we've taught our kids over these last few years. And that's why folks just trying to get by. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus didn't die on a cross and shed his blood for you so that you could just get by. We need to go for the goal. Mentality. Now, we're, we're talking, Paul a lot of things today in the sports talks about physical, but Paul's talking about spiritually here. Spiritually. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, earlier on, we, we've studied this not long ago, but we're to relinquish our rights. We're, we're not, we don't have any more rights anymore. When you come to Jesus and you are, are saved, you give everything to him, you die to yourself, your rights are gone. You don't have any rights anymore. And so it all belongs to Jesus. We ought to be intentional in our relationships for the advancement of the gospel. Diligent in how we live for the sake of the gospel means that we ought to be single-minded. There are a lot of things on our minds in this auditorium this morning. But I tell you, according to the Word of God, we ought to be single-minded as a church that our goal and our task is to reach people who don't know Jesus and bring them into the house of God and see that they're saved before it's everlastingly too late. Maybe we've forgotten, but people who die without Jesus, they go to hell. That's what our doctrine teaches. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you're in the wrong church. Because the word of God says, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not life. I'm just pointing out what the word of God says. So we need to be diligent in how we live for the sake of the gospel. And uh, having lived and served in Corinth, Paul was familiar with the Ithmian Games, they happened every two years. The Olympics happened four years. The Ithmian Games were every two years. And they were just as exciting and just as valuable. And people were training for them, trying to win, as even in the Olympic Games. And uh, what his picture here is, I can't demonstrate this, because if I got down, I wouldn't get back up. But the picture in 1 Corinthians 9 is 
that these guys are down, their, their, their fingertips are on the ground, their uh, feet are back in the stocks, and they're waiting for the sound of the gun. And when that gun sounds, they're off to the finish line. There's only one thing on their mind, and that's crossing that finish line. They're not going to look at the Kool-Aid stands. They're not going to look at the different people who are waving to them. they got one goal in mind, and that's to cross that finish line. But Walter Payton, probably one of my favorite athletes, was one of the hardest-working athletes. Uh, even in off time, he would do what they call the hill uh, and he'd have his ankles taped and teammates and other teams from other, uh, different places would come and no one could keep up with Walter Payton. Nobody. And they, they would ask him about his training regimen and he said this, he said, I try to kill myself. I push myself to the point of failure and complete exhaustion. I know it's not real popular, but I've thought all my life I've had this one goal. I'd rather burn out than I would rust out. I want to tell you, there's a lot more people rusting out than they are burning out. Peyton Manning spent endless hours throwing ball after ball to hit certain targets and certain points. He disciplined himself. They go through rigorous training. Athletes do. Not so that they can participate. So they can win. That's why they do this. They spend time. They figure, they're not figuring out how they just get by. They go above and beyond. I remember in high school, I had a guy that was in my grade, probably one of the most talented athletes I'd ever seen. Of course, now we were from Corgan. We ain't seen a whole lot. But he was probably the greatest athlete I've ever seen. And the only problem was he took shortcuts. He had a younger brother, two years younger than him, that wasn't near the athlete he was. But when they would tell him to do 10 push-ups, he'd do eight or nine and get by. You do five sprints, he'd do four and cover up. But his younger brother was one of those guys that if you told him to do 10 push-ups, he'd do 15. You say run five sprints, he'd run six. And the younger brother ended up going farther and was a better athlete than his older brother was. Not talent-wise, his older brother was a lot more talented. But he took shortcuts. No one serious about winning tries to just get by. Now let me tell you, let me repeat that because I'm going to refer that to our church. If we're serious about being a New Testament church that the Lord wants us to be, we can't just have the mentality of trying to get by. We've got to go for the goal. What, what, what would happen in this church? I don't know what you're involved in, but say, let's just say it's baseball. That's your hobby. That's your sport. Okay? And that, I mean, you eat, drink, and sleep that stuff. That's all you do. Uh, that's all. We have to put up with that here now, coming up shortly. Case and Aaron both are coaches, and we don't get much work out of them from along about February to, to, to May because uh, they're all tied up. <laughs> I'm joking. But I mean, th this is your, your goal. I mean, you, what would happen 
if with the same zeal and enthusiasm that you coach that little league team, if you took that same approach to church, what would happen? What would happen? I hope somebody got some crawfish with that. <laughs> they just came out. What would happen if you took that same approach and said, hey, I, I want to grow spiritually, and I've got a zeal to do it, and I want to do it. What would happen? You see, we got preachers on television that you send them $100, and they're going to send you a prayer book one hour a day now, and you'll be great. Well, that's all wonderful, but I don't want to be ugly, but I am 65, so I'll just tell the truth. I've, I can't get people to spend five minutes a day with God. And then that people are going to pay $100 to spend an hour with God? Now, I'm hoping you spend some time, and then you grow a little bit of time, and you grow a little bit of time. But I want to tell you something. I, I don't look like it, but I used to run five, six miles a day. And I remember the first day that I ran. Uh, it was a DPS officer, good friend of mine. And he said, meet me in the morning at 5 o'clock. I said, yes, sir. He didn't say nothing or anything about it. And I met him over there at 5 o'clock because he told me to meet him at 5 o'clock. And he was a big guy. 5 o'clock, I was over there. I said, what are we doing? He said, well, we're going to run. I said, I can't run. I've got my Sunday shoes on. He said, i got a pair of tennis shoes just for you. He said, now, we're going to run, and we're going to run five, six miles a day. I said, uh. Bodily exerciseth profiteth little, is what the Word of God says. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Look it up. Maybe a little out of context, but it's in there. <laughs> you know, the first thing he told me, and there were about five or six other guys there, he said, we're going to run six miles today, but you just run till you get tired. And then you just walk back. That's it. Don't try to overdo it. And every day, I would pick up a little bit more and pick up a little bit more. It's the same thing with spiritual. Don't think that just because you want to learn the Word of God, you're going to sit down in five minutes and suddenly you're going to be able to quote Scripture. But I'll tell you, if you hide that scripture in your heart, the days ahead when you need it, the Holy Ghost will bring that back up in your mind and you'll be able to quote it and say, where in the world did that come from? You put it there. But if you don't put it there, you can't get it back. What would happen if we took the same approach as we do toward our hobbies, if we took the same approach for evangelism and for missions? I'll tell you one thing that would be happening. There'd be a lot of folk today who'd be saying, Preacher, how can I invest more in the kingdom of God? Preacher, how can I stir my passion for Christ? What's going to help me hunger and thirst after the word of God more? What do I need to deepen my prayer life? Become a better gospel witness. Paul said, when it comes to our faith, we ought to treat it like a race and we ought to run to win. 
the athlete that's serious is going to say, what is it that's going to bring about my best performance? And as a child of God, we ought to be saying spiritually, what is it that's going to help me be a better Christian? That's going to help me be a soul winner for Jesus? That's going to help me stand up in the midst of all of the crisis that's going on all around us? I called Dr. Jeffers Friday just to tell him, thank you, and I'm praying for you. If you saw anything on Facebook, you know he's taking a, a real blistering. And I said, Doc, I, man, I hope y'all have got security lined up. He said, don't worry about a thing. I said, well, I'll be honest with you, I'm not worried about you. But my son sits on the stage with you. <laughs> and that's really kind of what I'm worried about more than anything, my son and daughter-in-law. And, uh, but I, I just want to say thank you for standing up when nobody else stands up. I mean, if you, if you go on Facebook and read those, those comments, it's like, there, there's no walls in heaven. Well, why do we have 12 gates? Yeah, there are walls in heaven. You know, and he, comment after comment, you're just unfit to be a man of God because you're, you're a racist and all of this stuff. And you know what? He just smiles and goes on. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with involving ourselves in our careers and our schools and our hobbies and our sports. But listen to me. Those things ought to be the platform of our ministry. To pursue all these things for their sake without any connection to the gospel is to pursue things that will not last and is going to waste our life. J.C. Penney, after the Depression was with a group of men and they were looking and I didn't go through depression some of you here did you understand what that is and what it involved but Penny had given millions of dollars away to build schools and churches and libraries and they were standing before this one college building that he had paid the whole price of and one of the guys poked Penny and said don't you wish you had that money back now Mm. Penny said, no, if I had that money back, it would all be gone. I lost everything in the Depression. So if I hadn't given that money away for the glory of God, it would all be gone. You see, folks, the bottom line is all that's going to last is going to be what you do for Christ. That's what you're going to be able to count on. Jonathan Edwards, over 300 years ago, a student at Yale University wrote the 70 resolves. This is one of them. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. I mean to live with all my might while I do live. Part of being diligent in our lives for the advancement of the gospel is to live with a single-minded devotion, wanting others to be saved. And then we've got to live our lives careful, disciplined, because Paul points to the athletes who are having complete, according to the rules of the games, and exercise self-control. A verse that's haunted me since the day I got into ministry was that last part of verse 27. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Wow. 
We need to be disciplined in how we live so that we can finish and not fall short. Athletes train. Athletes start the race. Not to just start the race. Not to be part of the race. They start the race to finish the race. That's what they're wanting to do. A couple of things here that I read athletes do. They don't sleep in. They get up early. Hmm. Wow. Some of you guys get up 4 o'clock in the morning. I have no idea why you do that. The coffee's not even ready. But athletes don't sleep early. They, you know what they do? They watch their diet and things they put into their bodies. You say, preacher, you ought not be preaching on that. I can tell you the truth whether I'm living it or not. I'm telling you we need to watch. But now let's flip that over spiritually now. Let's not look at physically. See, that's what we're interested in today. I mean, I, I'm not your doctor. I'm not your physical education guy. You can go to him, pay him. I'm the one going to handle your spiritual growth. And what he's saying here is, if you just put anything in your mind, then anything going to come out of your mind. If you put the Word of God and the things of God in your mind, then those things are going to come out of your mind. And then the athletes don't hit the snooze button ten times. Man, that's one of the worst things to ever <laughs> put on a clock. Because <laughs> you're just hitting. I mean, in the morning, you're just hitting. You have no idea. And the snooze button on the, if you got an iPhone waking up with an alarm, the snooze thing's a lot bigger than the cut the alarm off. I mean, there's a reason for that. Because you're going to hit that thing. There are rules and training. And there are rules for training in the kingdom of God. All you got to do is go back if you're a football fan and remember the powerhouse called SMU. Wow. And yet they were cheating. And they, they hadn't done anything, what, in 10, 15 years? I don't know how long that's been. Baylor in the same shape. Pete Rose in the same shape. No better ball player in the world. The Atlanta Braves in the mid-2000s there had a dynasty. Come to find out they were breaking the rules to do it. And their general manager got thrown out of football. He couldn't even go to a football, I mean a baseball game the rest of his life. There are rules that we've got to follow. Lombardi says the object is to win fairly by the rules, but to win. Every one of us, that's what Paul's telling us here. There are spiritual principles that we've got to live by, and if we don't live by them, we're going to be put on the shelf. Every one of us know men of God who started out preaching, good preachers, solid preachers, but because of a moral failure, God put them on the shelf. Every one of us know people in our lives that two years ago were serving God. There are folk in this place right here that used to run bus routes and used to knock on doors and win people to Jesus. But not anymore. You see, we can quickly lose our testimony with those we're trying to win by our actions and our attitudes. Boston Marathon, several years ago, there was a young man, 39 years old from Venezuela, that ran in the Boston Marathon. And he finished 
Over 20 hours it took him to run the Boston Marathon. The, uh, he had a form of muscular dystrophy. And he ran the marathon in honor of raising money for the Boston Children's Hospital. So he really couldn't run. He was just kind of walking and dragging the leg. And, and when he finally got through, he made it all the way through. It took him 20 hours. They, the, the news people, there were a couple of them still around. They said, what in the world would you do this for? This is what he said. In any marathon, you have to know why you're doing it. Because in the last miles, the marathon will ask you. Wow. I'm telling you, in this Christian life, you got to be careful. Because the older we get, the more the devil will say, is that really necessary? I mean, you were, you were doing that when you were 20. You were doing that when you were 30. You were giving all when you were 40. But you're, you're older now. Is that really necessary? Is it really honestly necessary? Someone has written this. A winner says, let's find out. A loser says, nobody knows. When a winner makes a mistake, he says, I was wrong. When a loser makes a mistake, he said, it wasn't my fault. A winner isn't nearly as afraid of losing as a loser is secretly afraid of winning. A winner works harder than a loser and has more time. A loser is always too busy to do what's necessary. A winner goes through a problem. A loser goes around it and never gets past it. A winner makes commitments. A loser makes promises. A winner says, I'm good, but not as good as I ought to be. A loser says, I'm not as bad as a lot of other people. A winner says, I'm good. Uh, a winner listens. A loser just waits until it's his turn to talk. A winner respects those who are superior to him and tries to learn from them. A loser resents those who are superior and tries to find chinks in their armor. A winner explains, a loser explains away. A winner feels responsible for more than his job. A loser says, I only work here. A winner says, there ought to be a better way to do it. A loser says, that's the way it's always been done. A winner paces himself. A loser has only two speeds, hysterical and lethargic. Okay, if we're going to win and compete, we need to know why we're doing what we're doing. There are going to be valleys and there are going to be mountains. There's going to be rivers and creeks. But we've got to continue on. This last uh, six, eight months has been a horrific time for our family. I was worried about crying so much, and then somebody told me, if the eyes are leaking, the brain won't swell. There have been a lot of valleys. There have been times after time after time that I would walk in and I'd say, God, I can't do this. I just, I'm, I can't do it. And God would put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, you are going to do it. You will do it. My wife has not been well. We go this next week to the Minneth and Meyer Clinic. And uh, some of you, 
have an attitude, you know, that, well, if somebody's mentally wrong, you know, they just, and Herb preached it. I talked to Herb about it Monday night. You know, I want to tell you, you need to have faith in God. But let me tell you, if you've got a, a chemical imbalance, if you've got a problem, if you tell me you're going to do it by faith, that's all right. I'll live with that. But when you get a gallbladder attack, it better be by faith too. Don't you go to no doctor for no gallbladder surgery. The mind is a part of your body just like everything else is. God uses medicine. God uses doctors. God uses faith. He puts it all together. I wish you'd pray for us in these days ahead. I dug up an old song we used to sing. We don't sing it anymore, Brother Dale. It says, once I drifted out in sin, had no hope nor joy within, and my soul was burdened down with sinful pride. Then my Savior came along and he showed me I was wrong. Now I know I'm on the winning side. I'll never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near. And in him so often I confide. He's the keeper of my soul since I gave him full control. And he placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. Out in sin no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. Let me ask you this morning. I know things look bleak in a lot of ways, but I, I've already read the end of the book, and we're going to win. We're on the winning side. Maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, I, maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, preacher, I, I don't know that. I'm not on the winning side. Let me tell you how to get on the winning side. You can do it wherever you are, but I pray you'll walk down here in just a moment and you tell the Lord, I can't save myself. I've been living in sin. And right now the devil has me bonded and bound. And I want to be on the winning side, but I can't get on the winning side. When you admit to the Lord Jesus that you're a sinner and you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and you invite him to take your life over, I'm telling you, according to Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can go from being a loser to being a winner. Doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory. Doesn't mean everything's going to work out the way you want it to work out. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It means you'll never be by yourself. It means he'll never leave you nor forsake you. It means just like Kayla sang a while ago, I praise God he came for the uh, birth, and I praise God he came to the cross, but I tell you, one of these days, he's coming back to take us with him. And you talk about a win inside then. We ain't seen that yet. I have not seen nor ear heard what the Father has in store for those he loves. Maybe this morning... You say, preacher, I know I'm on the winning side. I've been saved. I know that. But maybe the cares of this world, how they slip in on us, how they just literally suck the life out of us.
And maybe this morning you'd say, Preacher, I, man, I just need to come to this altar. And I need to have a little talk with the Lord. And I need to get all this junk out of my mind and get back with a single mind of purpose of doing what Jesus wants me to do. Of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you need a church home. You better join now. Because you might throw all of us out in, in another 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> this is a great church. Tremendous people. Father, thank you this morning that uh, you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. I pray, dear God, I know there are folks in this place, and they're not on the winning team. Oh, God, I pray more than anything, your spirit would bring conviction upon them, and they'd be willing to swallow their pride and say, Lord, have mercy. I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved today. And I want to be saved today. And Lord, you'll save them today. I pray for others that have decisions. Lord, in a church this size, there are others in this place that are going through just what I'm going through and my wife's going through. Oh, God, help us to lean on you and to lean hard because you're all we've got. I pray that There'd be folk that would come. Christians would lead the way. And these altars would be filled with, if they don't have anything to pray about themselves, God, would they pray about others that need a touch from you this morning? Would you have your way? Oh, dear Father, we need you. We need you more than we've ever needed you. Oh, Lord, come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Have your way. We'll praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll just...